This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It felt like we were on our way back to some semblance of normalcy. Then the Delta variant hit us, and now we're left with examining what we should do about things like live events and concerts. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Here to talk about this issue is CNET culture reporter Abrar El-Hidi. Welcome, Abrar. Thank you for having me. So we're in this awkward time when things are opening up, and a lot of folks are kind of in denial that we're even dealing with the pandemic. Uh, but And a lot of us are supposed to be getting out there. But at the same time, the Delta variant is flaring. I'm just curious how that changes the calculation for everyone. Yeah, Delta kind of threw us a curveball. I think a lot of people were really eager to resume the activities that they had to put off last year and the beginning of this year because of the pandemic. But this variant is so contagious and is spreading so rapidly that I think a lot of people are reevaluating. Do I still want to go on that vacation? Do I still want to go to that concert? Do I still want to get together with a bunch of people? Um, So it's really anyone's guess what the coming months will look like. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's the whole point of your story, looking at, you know, live events and concerts and what we do with, with them. Like, so are you seeing, what are what exactly are you seeing with uh, the organizers behind these events? Are they continuing to move forward? Or are they shutting them down with infections on the rise? What's, what's going on there? It's kind of a mixed bag because we see some events that are getting pushed back. So the New Orleans Jazz Fest, for example, was supposed to happen this fall, but now it's going to be happening in 2022. We have concerts like Justin Bieber was going to have a world tour that kicked off this summer, and that's been delayed as well. Poor BTS has been trying to go on tour for so long, and it just keeps getting postponed. It was supposed to happen in 2020, and that didn't happen. So now that that tour has been canceled because it's just it's so unpredictable to try to go anywhere and bring large groups of people together. But at the same time, we saw events like Lollapalooza continue. So that was a music festival in Chicago that happened in August, and that had over 40,000 Attend, or for, sorry, 400,000 attendees. Um, so there are some things that are continuing and others that are just being delayed until we really know what's going to be happening in the coming months. Yeah, it's definitely, it, it kind of is a wide range right now. Like from a, not necessarily the same thing, but from a tech conference perspective, right? We had Comic-Con go virtual and that was, you know, that was kind of a non-event. We have the IFA trade show, a show that goes on in Europe or Berlin every year. That's been outright canceled. And looking ahead to January with CES, right now they're looking to go in person. So it's definitely this kind of wide range of you know, potential scenarios for these events. Uh, I'm I'm curious about sort of the, the reaction to some of these big gatherings. You mentioned Lollapalooza. Like, how are people seeing these? Not not just uh, folks who are actually attending, but sort of from the outside looking in, seeing these uh, these gatherings of huge amounts of people, and, and seeing the potential risk there. 
Yeah, people were not thrilled about Lollapalooza continuing. A lot of people were really upset about it. If you were on Twitter at all during that week, you'd see all these people that were kind of up in arms about it. Um, People were worried that it would be a super spreader event because you had nearly 400,000 people all coming together across multiple days in Chicago. Um, Thankfully, Chicago's public health commissioner shared later that, um, you know, the rate of infection was fairly low. So more than 90% of attendees were vaccinated and just 0.04% of those later reported testing positive. So that's really a success in terms of, um, you know, having that many people come together and not have that, you know, she said it wasn't a super spreader event. Um, so that was, that was you know, something that I think a lot of event organizers will be looking to and seeing, okay, well, this is what Lollapalooza did. What can we borrow from their practices and implement so that we can continue with our events and make sure that people are safe? That's a great point. I mean, what, what exactly did Lollapalooza do? And like, what in general are events doing to keep people safe? So one of the things that they're enforcing, a lot of big companies are enforcing, Live Nation is enforcing this, AEG is enforcing this, is either proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test. And this is really critical because the Delta variant is, again, so incredibly contagious. And if you're vaccinated, I mean, vaccines have been proven to be incredibly effective at um, reducing severe illness. So at protecting you from severe illness. So, um, you know, these are things that a lot of these big companies are enforcing. And if you're indoors, um, a lot of companies are also um, probably going to enforce masks if you're indoors just because the risk is higher there. So these are things that you'll probably see a lot um, for any large events in the coming months. And I know, you know, vaccines and masks uh, are topics of debate in this country right now. And there are certain regions, certain places where, and certain people who don't necessarily believe in them. I'm curious if that, you know, these, these companies are, if that, those policies will continue to be pushed uh, in light of, you know, very vocal opposition to some of these policies. Or do you think that this is just going forward, like this is just the way it's going to be vaccine requirements, mass requirements indoors. Like that's, those, those are more set in stone than, than we think. Yeah, there are, of course, lots of people who are upset about these things. But, you know, I actually talked to to one um, one of my sources was mentioning that um, if we have something like proof of vaccination, then that could deter some people from coming to events and that's lost revenue for event organizers. But you kind of have to look at the big picture here. And the fact is that if you are unvaccinated and you're showing up at an event, you're not only putting yourself at risk, but you're putting other people at risk, including people who are vaccinated. And again, the vaccine does it has been proven to protect against severe illness, but the risk is still there. And so despite you know people being up in arms, this is just the way it needs to be. This is, you know, following CDC recommendations. And science has proven that these are measures that need to be in place in order for everyone to continue to go to these events and for these events to continue to be held. Right. And Delta variant in particular, I mean, that's, it's one that's found to, uh, even if you're vaccinated, you can still technically spread it, right? You can get it and you can spread it. You don't necessarily need to, to have the symptoms, which I think for a lot of folks, including parents like me, it changes the calculus on whether or not we really want to go out to these kinds of public venues. I'm curious what health experts are saying about that. Like, it is definitely one thing, and I think it's it's great that they are offering or requiring vaccinations, but with this new variant, you know, being able to kind of spread regardless of, st- of vaccination status, like, I'm curious what health experts say about these types of gatherings in general. 
Yeah, you really do have to kind of weigh your risks here. Um, the thing is, the, a lot of them say that if you are vaccinated and you're wearing a mask, then your risk is fairly low. So you can go ahead and continue. But if you are feeling hesitant, I mean, the thing is, one of one of my sources mentioned something that I love, which is um, he said that people who are really great entertainers aren't going to stop being great entertainers in a couple months. So if you want to hold back and not go to something right now or if an event that you wanted to go to gets canceled, just keep in mind that these artists will likely still be around when things clear up. They're dying to go on tour, too, just as much as you want to see them. So, um, you know, if if you are still feeling hesitant, um, definitely listen to your gut. But if you if you follow these protocols, then you should be fairly safe. Right. And you know, during the height of the pandemic, a lot of these shows and acts went virtual. You know, as things are opening up, I mean, do you think that um, or are, are some of these shows still going like, is virtual still an option? Or have we as sort of as a collective society, like moved on from that? It's, it's, it's more a, a blip or anomaly. And like, we're going to go back to in person as the primary venue for a lot of these entertainers. A lot of people are really itching to get back out there, not be sitting behind their computer or their phone to watch an event. But um, at the same time, companies are planning for that possibility. They're, they understand that things could change in, a, in an instant and that suddenly a big live event will have to be virtual if it wants to continue. It's just so unpredictable with what the coming months might hold. And so they're hoping that if we do maintain these protocols, if we do continue to require proof of vaccination or negative COVID-19 tests and masks in certain environments, then hopefully we won't have to go back to most a mostly virtual environment and that we will be able to continue with these um, in-person gatherings. Um, so it re- really is anyone's guess, but a lot. one of the companies I spoke to said that they've seen their requests for virtual events really skyrocket in the past few weeks, and it kind of mirrors what happened in 2020. So hopefully that's not foreshadowing anything major, um, but we'll see what happens. Well, and just uh, taking the pandemic out of the equation, I know last year there was a lot of talk of these virtual events being more of a norm in general as a way to make these shows more accessible. Even once we get past, hopefully way, way past the pandemic, that, you know, virtual shows would be more of a normal thing that like we would log into Zoom and check out our entertainer or whatever, whatever video conferencing service of your choice. Um, you think that's something that's going to happen? Or do you think that because we're so eager to get back to live venues or live events, that that, that really isn't going to happen, that we, we aren't really going to go as virtual as we thought we would a year ago. I think a lot of people will go to live events and never want to go to a virtual event ever again. But at the same time, I think there are some people who have really been grateful for the fact that virtual events exist because it's really opened up the audience to on a global scale where people who weren't able to access these things in person can now, you know, tune in from their computer or from their phone. And that, you know, being able to expand an audience is something that a lot of event planners, really all event planners want. Um, And so it's likely that we'll continue to see a virtual component in a lot of events in the coming months, perhaps years, even after the pandemic is over, just because it opens the doors to so many people who aren't able to access something in person. But yeah, it'll be, it'll probably be a, a fair mix with a lot of people really just wanting to get back out there in person. Yeah, for sure. I know I'm eager, even though, I, like I said, I'm constantly working out the the risk calculus in my head about what's going on. Abrar, thank you for your time. You can check out her story at cnet.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. 
And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.